Good evening, and welcome to another edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined, as always, by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Hey, evening, everyone. Yeah, hopefully everyone is doing well. Uh, big win for the men's hoops team this weekend. So right after Rob and I had written them off again, they did come <laughs> back and win a game this weekend. Uh, we will get to that a little later on in brief tonight. Uh, Hopefully everyone has, is recovering from the Super Bowl last night if you had the stomach to watch it uh, between those two teams. So we will get to that in a little while. We are really excited to have a great guest tonight. But before we get going with that, as always, we are brought to you by Pale Fire Brewing Company in Harrisonburg, Virginia. You can go by the tap room there in, at uh, Pale Fire downtown Harrisonburg and mention the JMU Sports Blog podcast and you will get a free pint glass. So... We are looking forward, we're actually, uh, or at least I, I'm looking for a way to get there sometime this spring. Uh, usually I don't make it until the summer, so we will see if I can, if we can make a trip back to the Berg before then. But everybody go by Pale Fire and enjoy some fine beverages there in Harrisonburg. So as we get going tonight, we're going to have an, uh, we have a really great interview that we're excited about, sort of a preseason interview with one of the spring sports that everybody in Harrisonburg has very high expectations for and is really looking forward to. And then Rob and I will do a cut very brief uh, on basketball from this past week. And then we do have an overtime topic, uh, sort of talking Super Bowl snacks tonight. So <laughs> it's always food with us, isn't it? It's always food with us, right? Yes. So, but we are um, really, really excited to welcome Coach Shelly Clace Balcom. Um, she is the women's lacrosse coach at JMU, and their season is about to kick off uh, in a few days. And they are one of the teams that we are really, really excited about this spring. Uh, as always, we're excited about softball, but having lost one of the best players for the season, uh, we, well, we also wanted to look around the JMU sports landscape and see what else is out there. So without further ado, uh, let's let us welcome Coach, Coach Clay Spalcom. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. Absolutely. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. Yes. 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 Um, Shelly, we were just chatting, we were chatting a little bit before, and you played at JMU um, for four years, and you played with your sister for two of those years, correct? Exactly. Yeah. My sister was a 95 grad, and I was a 97 grad. Now, what was that like? Did, did you intend to play with her, like, growing up? Were you guys on the same teams, or was it just you saw her experience at JMU and wanted to be a part of it? Or how'd that go? A little bit of the latter. I mean, we actually um, were not teammates until we got to college. She went through the private school education in Baltimore, and I went mm -hmm. through the public school education in Baltimore. And, um, you know, back when we went through this recruiting process in the early 90s, there weren't as many Division One programs. It was only about 40 to 45, I believe. Mm. And so you kind of took what you got back then. And <laughs> I had an opportunity to be recruited by a couple of other programs. But JMU was the one I was most familiar with because of my sister and had been down here a few times and just fell in love with it. And so when I had the opportunity to be a part of the program, it just it was an easy answer for me. Cool. And then and then after JMU, you, you spent some time as assistant at Hofstra and then eventually took the, the head job at Hofstra prior to getting uh, the JMU job in 2006, correct? Yeah, I actually stayed one year in 98 and coached the team that I had just graduated from at James Madison to get my foot in the door. And then right from there, got that job at Hofstra. And 
um, yeah, assistant coach position led into the head coach position and was able to bring when I, the year I got the head job that next year, JMU joined the CAA conference. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. Or okay. I'm sorry, Hofstra. 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 Yeah. yeah. Conference. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's always, I mean, they've always had a proud tradition up there in Long Island, you know, both men's and women's. So, um, now your first year, was that Kelly Rabel? Was that Kelly Berger's final year? Last she, year. Last year? Exactly. Yeah. So she had um, my fall, my first fall, she actually tore her ACL. And so I got the luxury of watching her train on the sidelines, um, <laughs> oh, wondering how I could use that talent. Um, but that incredible beast of a woman recovered in four and a half months <laughs> and allowed me to use her amazing ability. And, you know, that year, our first game out of the um, my first game coaching at JMU, we beat a top 10 ranked program in Georgetown with her playing with pneumonia just recovering from an ACL and the, <laughs> that just kicked off the year and we ended up doing great things with her. Yeah. Well, she was, she was a special player. Um, and for people who might not be lacrosse fans, like she's married to Paul Rabel. It would be like if Kevin Durant married Elena Deladon, you know, like it's just two of the best players ever, uh, the respective sports and pretty amazing that, that she played at JMU. She just got inducted to the hall of fame last year. She did. She's been inducted into a couple of hall of fames recently because she's now 10 years out. And so everyone is giving her, um, just celebrating her. You know, she ended up, uh, most recently she was the captain of the U S national team and mm -hmm. won a gold medal in the world cup. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. yeah pretty, pretty, pretty great nice player to start off with. Exactly. Um, so let's talk about last year. I mean, you guys won the CAA and then um, won a tournament game and ended up losing in the second round to Penn State, um, at Penn State, but still a successful year by any measure. Um, what did you think about last year? Were you pleased with the way it went? Did you exceed expectations? Come on. I mean, I feel like as a program, our expectations are really high, so it's hard to exceed expectations. <laughs> we do expect to win championships every year. We did that. You know, we do expect to compete for a national championship every year. We did that. However, we did it with a very young, inexperienced team. So, you know, I, I would say that as a program, we have very high expectations, but Year to year, you understand the ebb and flow of a growing program. And last year, we had high goals, but we weren't exactly sure if we were going to be able to meet them because it was all new players in new roles. And so in that regard, I do think that we um, matched our expectations, if not exceeded them a little bit, because we showed ourselves that we can regrow quickly. Um, and it was pretty awesome to see this young group just exude in confidence. And by the end of the year, they were just an awesome, awesome team to be working with. Yeah. I mean, it sure seemed like that from, from the fans perspective. Um, you know, you guys beat what was it Louisville round one? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was fun. Talk about, you know, a team, the, the growth of the sport when you've got Louisville, I think, was it two years ago that you guys played USC? Yes. I mean, it's crazy. Like you mentioned, there were only like 40 schools back when, when you were a student. Um, just the explosion of the game as it pushes west and you've got, you know, on the men's and women's side, it's just amazing to see it, how many more kids are playing. Um, I see girls in my neighborhood all the time, little girls running around with sticks and all the camps and everything. It's just, it's such a fun sport. 
And it's it, great to see it grow. The growth is unbelievable. I mean, we're just sitting under about 120 Division One programs now. And oh, you wow. alluded to um, two years ago when JMU got an at-large bid to compete against um, Stanford at USC in the Los Angeles Coliseum. That was the first ever West Coast NCAA game. And it was hosted in the LA Coliseum and we got to play in that. So it was an unbelievable historic moment, um, not only for the sport, but for JMU lacrosse. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, this still tends to be, I think the Mid-Atlantic and then the Northeast is kind of the hotbed, um, which gives you the opportunity to play a really terrific out-of-conference schedule. Um, As a fan, that's something that I love. I mean, you've got, you're opening up North Carolina this week. You've got Maryland on the schedule. You've got Penn State again. Um, the out-of-conference scheduling, there's no easy weeks. Um, how, how important is that to you as a coach to really challenge the team before you head into the CAA play? And the CAA is no easy league. No, it's not. And, I, you know, this is – you led with the fact that I'm a product of JMU. And this is, this is all I know. When I was an athlete at JMU, I competed for four years. I was never out of the top ten in the national rankings as an athlete. And we would have – we would finish our season and have records of nine and seven, but we were fifth in the country. And we were taught to not be afraid to lose, to not fear losing, to, to be willing to put ourselves out there to see what we're capable of. And, and maybe you get a win um, mm-hmm. or maybe you learn something about yourself that'll help you down the road and to not be afraid of those shortcomings early because they can make you the player that you need to be or make you the team that you need to be late. And that mentality is something that I've never forgotten. And as a coach, I want to make sure that I instill that in my athletes, too. So we're always looking for two avenues to the NCAAs, one through our conference. It's a great conference, um, but it's a strong conference, like you said. And there's no guarantees as those programs get better that that's our ticket to the NCAAs. Um, And so we want two avenues. And that second one would be, you know, JMU, we, we can attract great talent to our conference, I mean, to our campus. And, you know, we have that luxury of only having two hours to Maryland, four hours to Duke, four hours to UNC, four hours to Penn State. Everything is very um, well located, you know, for us to have a a quick drive. They want to reciprocate and come back to our campus. They know we're going to give them a good game. So it's been um, a luxury of our program that we've had all along. Um, and, you know, we've been able to sustain that really strong strength of schedule. I think in the 10 or 11 years I've been at JMU, we've been a top 20 program with strength of schedule every single year. Yeah. And what's so great, like you mentioned, like JMU is such a, a proud program and it's so well respected that this is not you going on the road to play these games year in and year out. I mean, these teams come, it's home and homes or they play at University Park. It's really um, just credit to how the program is viewed nationally. Yeah, and now that our facilities are, you know, coming (laughs) on strong, you know, it's wonderful. We used to play them on Reservoir Field where we had crabgrass, and and (laughs) when we would win games, people questioned whether or not it was the grass that helped us to win. But now, with our awesome facilities, they know it's the talent that's winning these games, but the programs keep coming back. So it really is a huge compliment to James Madison University and everything that we're providing our lacrosse program that we can attract this kind of competition to our campus, and it can be reliable games every year. Yeah, it's, it's just a great schedule, I'm sure, as a player, but certainly as a fan. Um, let's talk a little bit about that talent. I think you return, was it, eight of ten starters you've got 
a couple really talented seniors who've been in this program who understand what it's like to play this tough schedule. Um, Haley Warden, I, I believe she was picked for preseason player of the year. She's got three or four teammates who are also picked. Um, what, what do you think this year is it, it's, you know, what's, what's the bar, what's your goal national championship? Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, you're, I mean, you're, you're really that's always are. the goal. With, but. You know, it is. It is the goal every year. And I think, you know, we try not to get lost in that outcome goal because there's a lot of games in between. Um, right now, we're just trying to focus on practice. <laughs> but, you know, that is our reality. I mean, we are we are loaded with talent. This group of seniors that I have, I think they have the second longest NCAA streak in our program history at three. Um, You know, they've won. They've been in three championship games. They've won two of them. They've been in three NCAA games. They beat Louisville, who actually was head. The head coach was our former coach from James Madison. Mm -hmm. So that was an emotional win on top of it being ACC. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Um, (laughs) But they're just loaded with talent. You know, Um, this group as freshmen, were led by Allie Kerwins and Steph Finleys and Lexi Crosses that were all Americans. And that group of seniors was uh, a taken back by the confidence level of this freshman group as freshmen. And now here they are as seniors. And you have Haley Warden, Elena Romesburg, both leading in um, career stats, um, in draw controls and ground balls. And you know, they're able to contribute to so many aspects of the game. You know, typically your middies are doing all your hustle stats, but they're not scoring goals on top of that. And and these girls are, they're just influencing every aspect of the game and they're doing it consistently from year to year to year. So now they get to come in here, those two in particular, along with Kristen Gaudian, you know, put up 53 goals in her junior year. She only had 13 in two years combined before that. You know, they are really just powerhouse players who now have confidence going. And when you can get athletes to believe in their ability, you know, I mean, the sky's the limit. Um, the, the cool thing for us is that our defense is starting to get recognized. You know, nice. we've always had a very high, powerful offensive unit. Mm-hmm. Um it's something that our opponents expect from us now, but last year we were able to really do well on the defensive end as well. And we were able to get players like Rebecca Tucker, some accolades, you know, Mm -hmm. um, our goalie was able to, I think she had a top 10 save percentage in the country. So our defensive presence is really starting to pick up and that's exciting for this program. Yeah, absolutely. Now CAA, what, three bids last year, I think Towson and Elon. Also, mm-hmm. exactly. also made it. Um, as as we mentioned, that is a really difficult league. Um, who, who else do you think you're going to be competing with for that CAA title this year? Well, I, re- I mean, I think it's a dogfight. You know, it's anybody's game. I mean, look at the semifinals last year. You know, yeah. you have a team in Delaware who had beaten the only team that beats JMU in regular season play, who's unranked at the time, you know, and then we go and we have a rematch against in the semifinal and we have to win in overtime to be able to come (laughs) out with that, uh, you know, opportunity to play in the championship. And then Towson gets upset by Elon, a team who had had a big win against UVA early on, Mm. um, but, you know, had never even been to the championship game again, an overtime win to get Elon to the championship. So it's just really exciting. You know, I think any one of those teams, could make it happen, um, you know, and we're not even considering a team like Hofstra who has the rookie of the year. 
Yeah. Um, you know, and that uh, Alyssa Perilla is an exciting player at Hofstra who, you know, we're going in targeting one player and she's coming out with the statistics that she's having. That's exciting for our Hofstra. So I, I find that the, the more I respect my opponents, mm-hmm. the more prepared my teams are. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that, I mean, that's a good way to look at it. What about the, the freshmen? I know there's a couple of young freshmen, um, I think, out of the Baltimore area who fans are very high on. Um, are they going to see lots of minutes on such an experienced team? Are there going to be enough minutes to go around? Well, you know, I, it's, it's an interesting concept. I mean, we really are deep as a program, but, you know, when it comes down to it, there's certain things that you're looking for. And, you know, two freshmen in particular have really stood out for us this year. The first one is Katie Chikoski, uh, a freshman crease player. And that's just a specialty position. Mm. You know, we graduated Leah Monticello. Um, we graduated Tina McCarthy. Those were our crease players. And in comes this freshman who has just incredible hands. She's got great vision. Her poise is her asset. Um, and we just need to make her more selfish. But she, <laughs> she fits right into the system. And she has that maturity beyond years. Um, and she actually balances out Katie Kerrigan, one of our returning all-conference uh, crease players, really well. Because Katie is more of, you know, she kind of, ha- when she has the ball, she can do what she wants. She's got the green light. Um, but typically that player back at X is maybe more like your point guard who is going to control the offense. And so we have a nice little balance with the freshman being a little bit more poised, a little bit more controlled. And then Katie Kerrigan is just, you know, she's got the green light. She can do what she wants. She can make things happen. So we're really excited about Katie Chikoski joining in with Katie Kerrigan back there. Mm -hmm. And then we also have Charlotte Haggerty, who is just this little speed demon um, (laughs) from John Carroll School in Baltimore. And, you know, it's hard to to beat out Elena Romsberg and Haley Warden right now now in the midfield. They're just so um, dominant. But, um, you know, she's, she's pushing and she's pushing hard, um, depending on what we decide to do with defense line or attack line. You know, if there's a third mini position open, Charlotte is hungry for that. Um, you'll notice her around all the loose balls. She's going to be a nice little utility player for us, just running people down, using her speed in transition, using her speed to attack gaps inside the offense. Um, she's tougher than she looks because she's only about five two five three. Um, but she's really exciting right now with the way that she's competing at a really high level despite that size. Well, you've got to love that as a coach. If, there, if there's a competition for spots every day in practice and players just pushing each other, I mean, that, that's got to be a dream scenario. It is. I mean, the grit and the energy are our program strengths. You know, if anyone were to ever come out to watch Jamie lacrosse, they're going to one of the first things they're going to notice is the spirit that we have as a program. We're having fun, like in a really competitive, high drama environment. We're laughing and having (laughs) fun. And it flows onto the field and the athletes that we get a chance to work with, they have chips on their shoulder. They're gritty blue collar athletes. And I think it would just be, you know, it's just a really awesome sport to watch. But with the personality that these girls play with, it's awesome. Oh, yeah. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Now, you had mentioned before before we started this um, that there have been some recent changes to recruiting that changed the way you need to do things as a coach. What were those changes? Well, lacrosse is one of those sports that's just getting really accelerated. Um, a lot of women's sports 
this is happening to um, as of late. Um, this past year in April, uh, we already had two freshmen in high school verbally committed to our program. So we're very accelerated. Um, oh, wow. But back in April, the NCAA passed a rule uh, that women's lacrosse pushed that we were not going to allow ourselves to recruit these athletes so young anymore. And we decided that we were going to step up and try to be the bigger person and, and stop this craziness that's happening. And so now <laughs> we are no longer allowed to talk to anybody, even if they come on our campus, even if they are at our camp or clinic until September one of their junior year. Oh, wow. So obviously some people are kind of grandfathered in. Uh, with their verbal commitments. Um, but hopefully over time, this will remind people that we're not supposed to be going out there committing eighth graders and seventh graders. We're supposed <laughs> to be watching these athletes become women and then make the right decisions on who's right for our programs and our universities um, and stop some of the game playing that was happening with third parties and whatnot. Um, <laughs> so it was going crazy. Um, I think that as a coaching body, we've done a really good thing um, for our sport and for our athletes. Um, but in the meantime, we were a program that was doing really well. We have very high level athletes committed to us. We were recruiting off of consistency of championships and NCAA appearances. And so we have very high expectations that our freshmen are going to continue to come in and push our program forward. Wow. That's, I mean, that, that does sound a little out of control and you can't, it's pretty hard to avoid some of these uh, recruiting mishaps that you read about at other schools and everything. It's nice that cooler heads have prevailed. There's no reason an eighth grade girl needs to be dealing with the pressure of a college. And, and that's the reality. Cause when we were done with our freshmen, yeah. we move on to eighth graders, right? So <laughs> I mean, nobody's stopping us. So we had to stop ourselves. So well, I'm really true. proud. Yeah. I'm really proud to be a member of the IWLCA right now. Cause I think we're doing the right thing for our sport. Oh, it sure. Sounds like it. Yeah. Well, tell you what, um, why don't you tell people uh, where they can come see you guys? Saturday, you got a really big home opener against number three, North Carolina. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So this is, I think, our third uh, time hosting. Uh, UNC is our program opener um, at JMU. Um, really excited about this draw. It's an awesome opportunity for us to be able to, uh, you know, hit an ACC foe. Um, it's a win-win for us. Obviously, they're number three in the country. Um, so we get those quality points even with the game. But we're a program that's actually competed against them consistently. Last year, I think we lost 16 to 14. We were tied in that game with two minutes to go oh yeah uh the year before that we uh lost by two goals at james madison the year before that we lost by two goals at unc so this has been an awesome competitive game it's going to be challenging for us to do this again because unc actually got upset by navy a program that was unranked who ended up beating them to go to the final four in the elite eight last year so oh, we're yeah. assuming that they're going to be coming at us with maybe that chip that we talk about having <laughs> but we have nothing to lose we are so ready to get after it and put it all out there and just see just how good we can be this year um their speed is unbelievable. And so generally that would be a strength of ours and something that I would say, we're going to be one of the fastest teams in the country this year, but we're going to be very challenged by UNC with our speed and transition. So I'm excited to see just how well we run with them. 
Okay, and fans at home can watch it on Matt's own video. Um, people in the Berg, head to Centaur Park. I think it's a 12 noon start. Um, great way to start the spring sports season. And just thank you very much, Ellie. Really enjoyed having you on. Absolutely. And I'll just throw out there, because of our good play last year, we did earn the opportunity to host the CAs this year. So if you're not able to catch us with oh, a yeah. regular season game this year, you can always mark down in the books May 5th weekend, graduation weekend. Nice. JMU Lacrosse will be hosting in Santerra Park. See, there's my spring trip. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Do that. Right. May, May 4th, 5th, and 6th. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, thanks again, Shelley. Really enjoyed it. Absolutely. Yeah, thank Anytime. Thank you so much, Coach. Yep. All right. All right, Bye-bye. good luck. All right. Rob, thank you. That was awesome. Yeah, I, I love that schedule. I, mean, I do too. I mean, they're playing. For, so for fans that don't know, JMU is not coming into this game <laughs> unequipped, right? They are ranked 16th in the nation preseason. They are playing this season. Three of the top four preseason teams are on the JMU schedule. So JMU will play the number one team in the nation, Maryland. They'll play the number three, North Carolina, this weekend to open the season. And they'll play number four, Penn State. That's in addition to number 14, Virginia. As Rob and I have talked about with Coach Morgan from field hockey and a couple of uh, Coach O'Regan from women's basketball, all of the women's sports could probably teach many of the men's teams a thing or two about scheduling, at least oh, from yeah, a fan yeah. perspective. Yeah. Well, and then even teams that you wouldn't think like, oh, High Point, what's that? They won their conference. They yeah, won a they're game good. They won last year. Right. Um, you know, UVA is yep. a solid program mm-hmm. kind of on that, you know, a peer and that's program in addition to the, all the proud CAA programs in lacrosse. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a good league. It's, it's really a, a bit of a gauntlet you need to run through. So I love the approach of just, you know, play as many tough teams as you can and kind of that iron sharpens iron type thing. Um, yep. so that'll be cool. Looking forward to the season. Yes. And Rob is our lax expert. So I was really glad to <laughs> thank you, Rob, for setting that all up. I, I don't know if it's expert. I'm enthusiastic. Enthusiastic. <laughs> expert, okay. Here we go. I like, I like the game a lot. And oh. I actually, it was one of the programs that I did uh, support a lot while at JMU. Definitely but, checked out a lot of games mm-hmm. um, on that crabgrass that Coach was talking about. Yeah, I resisted the urge to ask her if she was. I, I, I think '98 was her last. Was her one that first year at JMU before she went away? Yeah. And I was like, I wonder if she recruited our our buddies Bridget and Beth. But <laughs> back oh, at no, the time, she, yeah. But yeah, who she knows? might have. Yeah. But um, with that, we are going to move on to a, a quick word or two from hoops. Rob's going to uh, break down the men's. Rob, Rob's uh, interesting journey with the men. Yeah, or, over or the Rob's four going days to break, the break right. down over the men. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what to think. You know, it, it's every time I really just get fed up and like, oh, it just isn't going to be a year. Um, they put together, you know, a, a terrific game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Towson came to town on Saturday. I'm sure many of you watched it, or yep. maybe not. From, from touching Twitter, there wasn't a whole lot of chatter about it. <laughs> no, I did um, not watch it. <laughs> yeah, I, I did watch it. Um, they played well, you know, it was, you know, came back, it was another close game and it's like, Oh, here we go. You know, um, at one point, James, you put Towson on the line and James, my seven year old son goes, Oh, here we go. This is how it starts. <laughs> uh, but luckily it was, it was kind of one of those bizarre matches where Jamie just knocked down all their free throws. Towson couldn't hit anything. Stucky Mosley was yeah, that's insane. What right. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, how many points? What do you have? 35? 35? 36? Yeah, I mean. 35, 36? That's the second 30-point game. Um, This isn't the NBA. You put up 30-point games. Yeah, the 30-point games in the CAA are are rare. Are very rare. Even with how the league is scoring this year. Yeah. Um, Now, he he just went bonkers in the second half. Um, Other guys played well. (laughs) Banks had a very good game. 
I was really excited. Mosley's the big story, um, deservedly so. Matt mm-hmm. Lewis continues to be great. Thursday night's game was rough at Drexel. Um, the team didn't play particularly well. I mean, it wasn't a terrible game, but just looked kind of lost. Offense, offensive execution was a little lackadaisical, and um, it appeared like Coach Rowe was sending Devell Phillips a message. He did not get a lot of run. Uh, in the, the Thursday game. night game. In the Thursday night game. But then he did come back, right? Oh, my gosh, did he respond. So yep. um, I – because I'm looking for reasons to be optimistic. I want right. to blow this up, make it bigger than it is, and say, wow, this is really something to be positive, not only about Phillips and his mentality, but also about Rowe's ability to kind of connect with a player and drive home that message and not have a situation where a guy loses playing time and he starts to you know, hold grudges or sulk. Um, so I was just really impressed. You know, This is a season where I'm looking for silver linings. Yep. Um, some days I'm better at that than others. Some days I get down in the dumps about it. But we are starting to see things – come together a little bit more. Um, It's a little thing, but Roe has done a much more effective job of using his timeouts. Um, The plays don't always come together, but I like, you know, seeing them used. You can't take them with you sort of thing. Right. Phillips had another double-double. Banks had a terrific game on Saturday. Um, Matt Lewis, to me, looks like a future all-CAA player. Yeah, he just – there's so many – I mean, JMU, the one thing they've had during this terrible run is they've had consistent point guard play. Yeah. You know, I mean, whether you think about – Devon Moore or Pierre Curtis. I mean, during some of the most down years, they've had some guys we could trust in that position. And it's exciting to think about Lewis being there with a better roster around him the next three years. And he's just learning the position. Yeah. He, yeah. he was a two-guard in high school. Yep. Um, I don't think he played point guard until the team went And he just doesn't turn the ball over. You know, no. I mean, he, that's the most encouraging thing for me. Is, right. Um, you'd expect a lot of turnovers. Go back and look at his numbers and compare them to – like you said, to Devon Moore as a yeah. freshman. Right. And they, wait, compare him to Moore as a senior in terms of turnovers. Turnovers, I mean, yeah. And that was not – Moore was a very aggressive guy. Those things happen. But college point guards make a lot of mistakes and turn the ball over, particularly, you know, when they're young and they're learning how to run an offense. And he's, you know, maybe one or two a game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, really encouraging. So. Yeah, that's great. Well, and on the women's side, um, unfortunately, the women did have their 11-game winning streak snapped on Sunday again at Elon. So Elon was the third place team in the league and JMU did fall 50 to 43 in a game that they could not hit the broadside of a barn shooting wise. Uh, they did give as they always do a great effort. Uh, they, they were down 10 late in the third quarter and closed to within three in the last couple minutes before falling short. But that does bring up an interesting situation for the women. Uh, the women remain tied with Drexel at 10-1 and one atop the CAA. Again, that snapped their losing streak. It's their first CAA loss. Uh, Drexel has a better overall record, but JMU has beaten Drexel once already. Elon sits in third, tied with Northeastern at 7-4. and four. And I think the important thing here to talk about for the women's program is, like the men's program, it's just so important to stay in first place. Uh, not only does it keep you in the number one seed for the CIA tournament, but potentially gives you an automatic berth to the NIT should you lose in that tournament. So JMU has very, very little margin for error the rest of the way in the conference schedule. And I, think they get an- I think they get another shot at Drexel as the season winds down here. It's not unexpected, by the way. I mean, Elon was one of the preseason favorites. It's certainly not, it's not a terrible loss by any stretch. Um, they were 10 and 0 in the conference and they lost one game on the road to the third place team. I, I don't think there's any reason to panic here. Uh, 
but they they did struggle as they did some early in the season. They really struggled to score offensively, and I'm sure Coach O'Regan will have them working hard yeah, they, they this week. Scored all their points Friday night. Oh my gosh, they man. did. did yeah. Didn't they double up William and Mary? They did, and uh, you know the the women's side of the bracket this year is as usual in the CAA, somewhat top heavy. So not entirely surprising. Uh, JMU, as always, is one of those top teams. But yeah, they, they've, I mean, I, I hope more than anything, this is just something that happens along the way. I mean, they had an 11-game winning streak, hadn't lost in CAA, went on the road to a tough team, and that's what happens occasionally. Uh, certainly not any reason to panic. No, so. I mean, you, sometimes you have those nights where the shots don't fall. Right. I'm actually a little bit surprised um, the way this team is built. Mm-hmm. When they're a little bit, you know, they're not reliant on one player. So right. I, I think it's less likely they're going to have multiple nights like this where mm-hmm. just nobody shoots. You know, um, we've seen that over the history. JMU's had some outstanding kind of shooters, but if they have bad nights at the wrong time, you know, your season can get, get in trouble in a hurry. That happens in the tournament. I think JMU's built a little bit differently this year, mm-hmm. um, more balanced scoring. So I'm not overly concerned. No, it's I'm just not. It's one either. of those things, you know, wasn't thrilled about it, but, um, Better now than in the tournament. Absolutely. And and basically the team, both teams have about a month left uh, of conference play. So it looks like about what, seven, eight games left in the conference schedule. And this is crunch time. So, you know, the men's team, they'll just be scrapping their way into somewhat higher seating. Uh, the women's team will be trying to maintain, uh, you know, first place if they can, but certainly stay making sure they stay in the top two so they can avoid Drexel to the championship. Uh, Elon and Northeastern are both seven and four. So, you know, either one of them would be a tough matchup uh, in the two, three game if they fell to that spot. But with that, we're going to move on to overtime tonight. Uh, We didn't want to go too much at length about basketball this week. And I think we're going to talk about our favorite in in light of last night's game. And I know there are a lot of JMU people. Um, There are a lot of JMU Eagles fans. It pains both of us to say it. But congrats to all of those long-suffering fans. <laughs> they did finally get over the hump. It and was... the coach flip and, and yeah, games, you know, yeah, so, it's really exciting. Like, you know, it's not all doom and gloom. No, for sure. The Eagles' quarterbacks coach John D. Filippo was a quarterback about the time I was in school. Uh, you know, played at JMU and is really a, a hot name in the NFL coaching world. He had been in Oakland to develop Derek Carr and has been in Philly the last couple of years developing Carson Wentz. So it's exciting to see him get a win. He's certainly a guy who looks like he has a very bright future. He's been rumored for every sort of head coaching and offensive coordinator spot that's available in the NFL right now. Oh, come on, Giants. <laughs> and it certainly seems likely that uh, Flip will get a chance to keep moving his way up. No, um, I'm hearing um the Giants and Vikings supposedly yeah. both interested in him. Um, and it's funny. I mean, if he stays in Philly with Wentz another year, it's not like he's going to lose his stature. You know, no. I, I wouldn't no, expect. No, no, no. So that's exciting. And then uh, Rashard Davis. So last year's JMU superstar punt returner and wide receiver uh, played this year quite a bit. Uh, and he will be getting a Super Bowl ring as well. Most of us saw him after the game getting to touch the Lombardi trophy. He was on the Eagles practice squad at the end of the year. Think on the. I think he talked about this week that he he was filling the Danny Amendola role in the Eagles prep for the game on the scout team. So pretty cool for Richard. He won a won a title for JMU last year and wins a Super Bowl trophy this year or gets a Super Bowl ring this year. Uh, so really, really exciting 
for those two Dukes. And as much as it pains a Giants and Redskins fans to say, uh, pretty exciting for those JMU guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. But, I mean, the city, I guess, they deserve it. Oh, <laughs> well, they celebrated like they don't deserve it, as oh. was to be expected. But yeah. We, you read all those articles in the game, like, the reputation is undeserved. <laughs> and then you see the post-game footage, and it's like, eh, yeah. well. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Enough about that. Yeah. Congratulations. Adel I did fans. love the Duracell tweet. Um, Duracell batteries tweeted oh, out yeah. something about like let the let the batteries fly or something. Oh. Like, congrats, Eagles fans. Wasn't it Arby's saying yeah. Arby's tweeted something like we'd love to serve you biscuits in the morning? Please don't burn us down. Right, right. So, anyways, Rob, what's your uh, third favorite Super Bowl snack? Oh, I, I was purely in it for the snacks yesterday. Mm-hmm. I didn't even watch much of the game. Um, I'm going to keep it simple and go guacamole. Oh, that's good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, that's... My, Sam made some for us. That's his big specialty. It's what he likes to cook. And, or not cook. That's what he likes to chop up and mush together. Right, um, right. But it's good. It's go-to. It's easy. It's good on chips, whatever. Good on tacos. Um, maybe if you have too many beers, it's good with a spoon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> easy enough. And so it's I green ex- for you Eagle fans. Yes. So I actually have to say that was my third as well. And one thing oh. I did last night is... uh. Actually, put guac in my chili. We made chili uh, yes, down here. That is good, and that was also really good. So yes, yeah, it's sort of, uh, and I don't know, as a replacement for sour cream or in addition to sour cream. Great addition, guac. always addition, always addition. Yeah. So that was my third as well. Rob, what's your second one? Oh, second. Um, I, I, this is underrated, and you don't get them anymore. Mm-hmm. This is just like proving how old I am. <laughs> Loaded potato skins. You don't like, get those anymore. You can't find them. Those like I think they all like disappeared with whatever TGI Fridays or Bennigan's or like that whole class of restaurants. <laughs> yes. But that is a good snack. Like yeah. that is a really good snack. You know, you get your cheese and your bacon and all that. You can load them up with. I guess it's been like replaced with loaded tots or something, which is also very good. Yes. But I like it old school. Like if I'm at a bar and if it's a bad bar and they've got a menu from like 30 years ago, (laughs) I'm ordering up some potato skins. Oh, that's great. And probably like some mass, you know, domestic lager or something. But yeah, potato skins, they they went the way of the dodo. They did. They're good. So my old school one is a Rotel dip. So this is the, uh, the, the Rotel chilies in just melted Velveeta, basically. Yes. Yes, right? Well, I mean, you, just you as old school the, as it gets, right? Yeah, you yeah. got to use the, the Velveeta. I mean, yeah. real cheese is great, but that processed stuff melts better. It don't, does. don't mess around. Don't try to do it with cheddar. Just no. swallow your pride and get your cheese with a Z. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. So how about you, Rob? What, any more? I, I mean, we're going wings, one, right? We got to go wings. Is, is yeah. that even a debate? Yeah, no, I mean, I think anything you can dip with a chip is, is pretty great, right? And meatballs yeah. are always a solid crockpot item you can get going early in the day. But yeah, it's wings. It's got to be wings. Yeah. I or mean, is beer a snack? <laughs> I think beer just it comes beer along just, with just Super Bowl. Right. But yeah. yeah. But no, it's and actually, beer's a little, I mean, the older we get, beer is tougher on 6.30 on a Sunday, right? Oh, yeah. So the yeah. wings take, they somewhat have been elevated by the older we get. It's like, oh, yeah. Well, I had to intentionally try to find beer that wasn't like high alcohol. <laughs> I was, that's right. I, like right. most of my, a lot of my go tos are, you know, seven, seven and a half. I was like, I can't do that. So I was like scouring. <laughs> it looked like, probably looked like some sort of freak. I'm like turning around all the cans, trying to figure out right. some sort of sessionable beer where I could have multiple ones and not ruin right. my Monday. That's right. So, 
Thank you guys, as always, for joining us. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Coach Shelley Clays Balcom. We are really excited for JMU Women's Lacrosse to take the field this weekend against Carolina. It's they, their expectations are enormous. Um, we would encourage you all, and we are not shortchanging them at all. But they, as we said, they play three of the top four teams in the country in their out-of-conference schedule, and there's no reason to freak out, <laughs> depending on results in the first couple of weeks. JMU will be there when it matters. We are confident. And this is a really, really exciting team. Um, as Coach said, they have three or four seniors that are at the top of the comp. You know, we're picked in as first team all CAA preseason. And reigning then, player of the year. Yeah, reigning player of the year. I think Coach was picked as CAA preseason coach of the year. So, yeah. I mean, there's a lot to be excited about. And then in addition, there's quite a bit of talent. You know, not only just the incoming freshmen, but all the freshmen who played last year. So, this team will be around when it matters this year, and it's it's something to keep an eye on. I know we all are excited for Coach Ike and the baseball team take another step forward this year. Regardless of Megan Good's injury, we're excited about softball. But lacrosse is one of those kind of sleeper teams this spring that, that you should... consistently has been a good team for decades. Yeah, decades. You know, get out, get out and check out a game. Um, definitely. I mean, definitely. It's, we love basketball. We love football, and it's great to see students and fans support that but um if you got a got a free weekend or you're a student in the bird get out and check out some of these games um you might find you like it a lot more than you think it's fun um mm -hmm. get out see your fellow students uh, and it's great as fans to be able to tune in and see these things on madison as well so um, thank you to the alumni association for kicking in for that yet again yep we got giving day coming up in a few weeks uh well in a month or so and uh rob and i'll be talking a little bit more about that speaking of the alumni association uh, coming up. But as always, we are brought to you by Pale Fire in Harrisonburg, Virginia. It is coming into spring season, so we're certain they are turning over their roster of beers. Get down there and be ready to check out the new spring seasonals as they start to come in. These last couple days down here, we're starting to imagine at least the possibility of warmer weather oh, <laughs> after this here. weekend. No, not, not there. there. Okay. No. So, you know, there's golf on TV, so I guess I start thinking about it. But <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> golf on TV makes drives me to drink too. So. That's right, right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So thank you guys very much for sticking with us tonight, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks, Rob. See you. Go Dukes.